welcome to Conversations at the College, a fortnightly podcast where we delve into interesting stories from those within the St. Stephen's College community, talking to people that make the college truly diverse and connected. Now, let's get into this week's conversation. Mr. Mitchell Mills is an educator here at St. Stephen's College. He's been with us for five years and he currently spearheads our wellbeing program. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mitchell Mills. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. You have some pretty interesting awards, which we're going to dip into very soon. Yeah. Uh, but firstly, Mitch, what made you want to become an educator? Uh, during high school, I had massive anxiety, particularly towards grade 11 and 12. I put a lot of pressure on myself uh, to do well, um, to get into the course that I really wanted to get into. Um, and then from there, I had really, really amazing teachers that would make time for me before, after, during school to sit down with me and just help me through, particularly in some of the troubling subjects that I experienced difficulty with. But I really wanted to have the same impact on kids as they had on me because it was everlasting post-school. And what were some of those experiences you had with teachers that were everlasting for you? Uh, They were just so supportive and they were more like a mentor rather than a teacher. They got down on my level and were like, I've been through this before, I know what you're going through. I will guide you through how to perform well, but also it wasn't just about the grades. It was just, it was about helping you and developing the skills that I needed after school. And was it particular subjects that you struggled with or was it just perhaps the way that you were learning? Yeah, I was, I struggled so hard with maths. Mm -hmm. I found maths so, so difficult. Um, I don't know what it was, whether it was just my type of brain. Like I found practical subjects really, really easy to get my head around, but then with maths, I it being so logical I really struggled with that but it was because of those teachers that just got me through to the end and what was your favorite subject in school then Uh, I really loved Japanese okay I loved Japanese Mm and um, obviously PE Mm -hmm. but Japanese was a real highlight they took us overseas in grade 10 and 11 so that was that was awesome experience and you do PE now at the school as well right yeah I teach senior PE here as well as cert three four fitness and yeah just really blessed to be able to teach those subjects because it is such an, a niche subject to get into and really difficult, particularly on the Gold Coast and in Queensland because it's so popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a good um, working environment outside, really exciting um, to be with the kids outdoors. So Mitch, uh, you've been the recipient of two national awards recently uh, from the Australian Educator. You've been named as a rising star of 2022 and also as one of Australia's most influential educators. Well, firstly, it's a huge congratulations, Mitch. That's, Thank you. It's pretty phenomenal, especially your age. How old are you? Uh, 27. Wow. Awesome. But more importantly, what did you have to do to win these awards? Yeah, look, the, I was nominated by um, another staff member here, which I was super grateful for. And I think it came off the bat of developing the Changing Lanes program that I delivered to the grade 11s last year. Mm-hmm. And it's followed on into this year. Now we take it through with the boys and girls of grade 11. It's been really, really valuable for them. So can you touch on Changing Lanes and explain us uh, to the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So Changing Lanes is kind of founded on this belief that uh, we develop our most meaningful connections with others when we celebrate our imperfections and kind of remove this mask that some of us may wear on a day-to-day basis. It kind of stemmed from me attending a conference last year with a few grade 11 boys and it got me thinking about how when particularly males leave high school, they go from having this enormous friendship group to suddenly having two to three friends that they can rely on and talk to because they were themselves around those two individuals. Um, So typically when they leave school, they go through this period of loneliness and they struggle to kind of find themselves because all their conversations during high school were all really superficial, like how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. How are you? Yeah, it was great. Um, 
whereas this program really encourages them to open up and lean into vulnerability and kind of celebrate who they truly are. And I think the connection that they form with the people in the room, is, it's immense from the outset. It, they leave that room and suddenly you've got this insight into people you hadn't even spoken to before, which forms these really close bonds, particularly within the cohorts. So it's very important inside the cohort to have these vulnerable conversations, not just mm. learning how to have the conversation, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about, like I said, leaning into that really um, vulnerable sense mm. and that emotional exposure that we're typically as males brought up to avoid mm -hmm. because vulnerability is a weakness, whereas this program really encourages you to view it as a strength because when we see someone be vulnerable, we're like, oh, that's courageous, that's mm -hmm. really brave. But when we do it ourselves, we feel really insecure and nervous and apprehensive to do it. Could you give us an example of how, you know, you champion the, the students to show vulnerability? Yeah, I think I found it really beneficial to model it myself. So particularly in some of the sessions where we encourage them to stand up and talk about a hardship that they've gone through, I'll stand up first and tell them about one of my hardships. And then for the weeks that follow, kids that completed the program the previous year will come in and they'll say their hardship as well. Mm -hmm. So they can see that it's not just an isolated experience within grade 11. Mm -hmm. It's it's happened before them and people have reaped the rewards of the program before them. Would you be comfortable sharing one of your hardships for the audience? Uh, yeah, I think the one that I share with the kids is um, my parents actually splitting up. I mm -hmm. found that really, really difficult to uh, come to terms with, particularly because I was quite, I was older. I was outside my teenage years when it happened and I felt really lonely and afraid during that time. And you'd have to, like I said, put on that mask. You come to school really happy, upbeat, bubbly because you, you want the kids to feel the same way and you don't really want to be projecting these negative feelings. But coming into the program and learning from the program and confiding in friends outside of school, I found that it's, it's made it a lot easier to talk about these kind of things. Mm. But essentially, that was my hardship. It was, mm. Yeah, it was tough. Well, it does sound like a fantastic program, Mitch, building on, on resilience and championing that amongst our students is obviously something that we're really supportive of. What was your motivation behind creating the program? I mean, it, it seems to be something that's um, very close and important to you. Yeah, I think I did a lot of reading mm -hmm. um, post-school about why I felt like I was quite lonely and I feel like I didn't really fit in. And I came across uh, these lessons that were taught in sport, particularly to the Richmond Football Club in Melbourne and comes back to my one of my massive inspirations in Ben Crow. And he led this program for the Richmond Football Club that did the same thing, really encouraged people to be vulnerable and open up about their themselves to let people in. I think that was one of the biggest motivators was that upon talking about my hardships, this sense of like connection and compassion that I felt from people, but also to people when they mm. told me their hardship was, it was huge. It was really impressive. Mm. And then what's the process of creating a program or a curriculum and then implementing that at, a, at, a, at the school? Yeah, it, it is difficult. Mm. It's really, really difficult because you've got to find things that would suit the cohort. Mm -hmm. Like this cohort is no diff. Oh, it's very, very different. Sorry to last year's cohort. So I've had to modify a few activities to suit them, mm -hmm. particularly with the boys this year, like there's only 30 of them as opposed to last year where there was about 60. Um, so you really need to find these activities and do extensive readings to what's worked in that vulnerability space and how you can, I guess, create this really supportive environment for kids to feel safe to open up about themselves. Is it a scalable program? Can you see this, you know, expanding to other schools? Yeah, I'd absolutely love for it to expand to other schools. I think it's, it's a growing space. Um, right now, the whole vulnerability and embracing who you are, mm. particularly for these kids that are graduating next year, that w 
this program helps give them the tools to be able to navigate um, that kind of social world, but also talk to others. Mm. I think we really struggle upon leaving school talking to people we haven't met before because we put up this wall and mm. say, I'll only just show you a little bit of me, not not who I truly am. Mm. Why do you think we have that? I mean, it, so, it resonates so much with me when you say that because yeah. we do have so much of these service level conversations. How's it going, mate? Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, cheers. Bye. Mm. And we, we very rarely do delve deeper under that. Mm-hmm. And it does sound like with your program, this happens both for men and women, right? Absolutely, so yeah. why do we have those surface level conversations? I think it's founded upon this thing where we really love to fit in mm. um, and we use these terms interchangeably, fitting in and belonging. Whereas fitting in, you've kind of got to assess the situation, do something to kind of uh, be accepted by others. It's mm-hmm. founded upon acceptance, whereas belonging is you're accepted for who you are. And I think that's what some people really struggle with. They meet someone for the first time or they meet someone they don't necessarily talk to a lot and they go, oh, I don't really want to show who I am because I might not feel that acceptance Mm. from them. So it's more of like a a self-worth thing, realizing that I am enough and um, my personality is enough and I'm worthy of belonging. So obviously in the program, these students are having some of those really strong, important conversations. Um, What was the impact of those conversations inside the cohort? Yeah, look, the... It was incredible the impact that they had on the cohort. I think once these kids had the courage to stand up, express themselves in front of the cohort, not only did it form really uh, strong connections with individuals that they hadn't really spoken to, but made existing connections even stronger. And I think the way they lent into that emotional exposure and stood up there and really embraced who they were, it's courageous. It's, mm. It was really, really impressive and touching that they felt comfortable enough to open up about a certain hardship that they'd experienced. Can you give us an example of uh, an activity you would do in, in the program? Yeah, of course. I think one of the activities that we do at the moment is each kid's given a playing card and on the playing card, there's a question on there, whether it's um, when was the last time you felt lonely? When did you cry last? What makes you truly happy? And the kids go around the room with their individual cards, find someone and ask them that question. Mm. And then that person answers it. And that person also has a card. They'll ask someone else the question. Once they've answered, they swap cards, they go find someone else. So then they get a real sense of, oh, these are the type of questions that could be asked to anyone. And there's no real real off limits with these questions, Mm -hmm. but they do respect the boundaries that uh, some people would have. So with the program then, Mitch, what is the feedback that you're getting from it? Is the students enjoying it? What about the teachers? Yeah, from what I've heard so far... The students have absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. They found it really, really beneficial. And I I don't think it's based off the kids walking out of the room and all feeling sad and um, really upset, but it's, it's them walking out and saying to each other, I didn't know that about you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so much closer to you. It's like kids have come up to me and said, how come we're not doing Changing Lanes this week? Mm-hmm. Or are we, what are we doing this week in Changing Lanes? Yeah. And I think by them simply calling it Changing Lanes mm-hmm. and them um, acknowledging it that it has a name is just shows how powerful it actually mm-hmm. is but they're, they're really embracing each session as it comes and it's it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And it's evident that, you know, with what the educator has bestowed upon you, that mm. what you are doing is innovative and we take your hat, our hats off to you on the college community for that, Mitch. Thank so thank you. you. Thank you. But a little bit about your personal life. What do you do in your downtime? Uh, I'm very active. Mm-hmm. Very, very active. I play AFL down at Bond Uni. Um, I love going to the gym every morning, playing futsal with some of the kids at school on a Thursday morning, which you're involved in, obviously. Mm-hmm. Also, just going out for like hikes. I love. I feel that when I'm outside, I can kind of just relax and be one with the moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas once I'm inside, I feel quite stuck. Mm-hmm. 
conversations at the college will be back right after this break. St. Stephen's College ensures every student is challenged and inspired to persevere and create their own future and to be the very best version of themselves that they can be. One of Queensland's most innovative schools, St. Stephen's College is the perfect choice for families wanting the best education for their children in an environment where they'll be cared for and supported as they transition into a new school. St. Stephen's College is a place where you'll feel you genuinely <laughs> So how do you take care of your well-being then, Mitch? Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in if I'm laughing, I'm kind of in a very happy place. Mm-hmm. So I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts like Hamish and Andy. I love listening to them every Thursday morning. Conversations at the college. Conversations at the college, Classic. obviously. Yeah. Um, I guess just learning about other people as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I've loved that program so much is mm-hmm. that you learn so much about other people and you feel like you're growing as well with them. Mm-hmm. And what about in your future? What's, uh, what's on the cards for you? Um, I've got this belief that if I'm comfortable, I'm stuck. And if I'm stuck, I'm not really growing. I really want to continue to grow at the college. The college has been so great in supporting me with this program and initiatives that I put forward. I really want to progress a little bit further into a pastoral care role where I can kind of witness these kids grow from the start of the year to the end of the year, but also support them in a very similar way that I was supported while I was at school. Um, and I think, like we said earlier, I'd love to take this, that Changing Lanes program a little bit further and take it outside of St. Stephen's College because it is such a, an important concept to be uh, told to a lot of students. So on the Changing Lanes program then, is this just version one? Do you have plans for version two? How, how could you change it in the future? Yeah, I think there's definitely like a part one, part two to the mm-hmm. program. We, t- we touch on part one all through grade 11. And I guess now we're just trying to look for that part two section where we could slot it into the pos ed program because mm. it's it's quite busy, which all are really, really relevant lessons that are being taught right now. But yeah, it is pretty tough space to navigate right now. Mm. What's positive education then? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it, particularly at the college, because there are different versions across schools and across the sector, positive educa- education is looking at the holistic individual. How mm. can we um, give them the tools to maintain a really healthy life and well-being as opposed to looking at what they can do um, to avoid to amain that uh, to maintain that healthy well-being so it's not a deficit model so mm. what what shouldn't I do to maintain health healthy well-being it's more what can I continue to do and add into my life to really keep that well-being level quite high I think we do it really really well here particularly with the offering of a vast range of sports and a lot of different co-curricular aspects it's we do focus on that holistic individual, which is great. Mm, that's awesome. My biggest question is, I suppose, well, just let's say for me playing devil's advocate in this scenario, mm-hmm. for places that don't have well-being programs, mm. what are the potential flow-on effects to the students? I think from the get-go, the kids are on the back foot mm-hmm. because once they leave school, they haven't been given these tools to kind of navigate not only working environments, but their personal lives as well. They haven't been taught about the tools that they already have that already exist for them that they can implement to maintain that high level of health. So when they do enter the workforce, suddenly they've got this poor work-life balance and they don't know what to do to improve their quality of life because they haven't been exposed to these lessons that we at St. Stephen's are actually giving them or teaching them. So what would be a workplace scenario that we could teach children to deal with more effectively? I think the toughest one is having those difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. I think at the moment, um, if we didn't have these wellbeing programs, it's a lot more challenging for us to kind of put how we're feeling into words. Yes. And I think that's what 
we're kind of looking at developing right now is how can I convey to you how I'm feeling without um, you taking offense to it? Okay. Yeah. Let's let's trial it. Let's trial it. Okay, okay. I'm your boss. Okay. Yeah. You've obviously been doing the Changing Lanes program. Yep. You're well educated now about dealing with your emotional resilience and okay. vulnerability. I'm telling you, Mitch, that the work that you're doing is not up to par and I want you to fix it and I'm yelling at you. Mm-hmm. How would you deal with that? Look, I think the the first thing you'd need to do is I'd need to sit there and let you say everything. Okay. I wouldn't like rebut anything. I'd let you say everything, take it all in. So then I could kind of formulate some sort of coherent response mm-hmm. to what you're saying. And then I would, I'd put into perspective how I felt regarding what they've said because the person coming at you and talking at you can't really dispute the way you feel. So I say, look, okay. I... Wait, let's circle back on that. Can okay. you say that one more time? Because I think that's quite important. Yeah, of course. So it's people that are talking at you or criticizing you for something, they can't argue with how you feel. Mm. So if I'm talking to you about the way that I felt about something, you can't um, minimize that. Yeah. Okay. So if I say, look, I'm really sorry. I've had a lot going on at home right now. I just feel really overwhelmed. I, I don't necessarily know what to do to overcome this. Can I have your support in, um, in kind of navigating this right now? Wow. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's yeah. it's a tough conversation to have. But no, it, but I think that's great because being showing that vulnerability, mm. especially in a you know in a workplace situation where yeah. there is this presumed hierarchy, it's not only showing your authentic self, but it sh- gives you an ability to diffuse a situation sure. like it, that, right? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think we move beyond that kind of really basic vocabulary of I'm angry, mm. I'm sad. Whereas you reframe and say, well, I'm overwhelmed, I'm lonely, I feel really like afraid mm. as opposed to just those really basic words. And maybe like, you know, the standard situation would be like the boss yelling at the employee saying, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And then the employee would say, oh yeah, but I'm not getting support with this and you're yeah. being terrible on that, right? So yeah. I suppose, is that another aspect of having these deeper conversations? It definitely is. I think we're, as a society, we're really separated into two groups or we feel like we are those who offer help and those who ask for help. Mm-hmm. Whereas in fact, we're actually both. So if we feel like we offer help, we, we feel like we're in this position of power. Like we don't need help. Everything's great. Whereas we don't want to feel like um, we're in this vertical relationship of I'm asking for help, I'm looking for help. And so I think by being vulnerable and leaning into that, and you recognizing, oh, we're actually on the same playing field and we, we want the same outcome, um, it, it helps with those conversations. Well, Mitch, who are your inspirations for your particular career choice and what about your inspirations in your personal life? I think my particular career choice, I had this really incredible biology teacher while I was at school. Shout him out. Um, I had Sonia Earl, my grade 11 and 12 biology teacher at school. She was just amazing. She was so, so good, provided endless support, but she was also just so funny. So whenever you're in class and you're having a really, really rough day, this lady would just walk in and you'd be in stitches within five minutes. Like so she, important. Oh, Building so important. important. Yeah. It just like, just like breaks down the barrier between like, this is really serious and we're kind of on the same page here. Like mm-hmm. we're all working towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. And she was just amazing. And I think what was, was even better was when I graduated from my teaching degree, she became my teaching mentor, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm so thankful for her. She's just, she's awesome. She's so, so amazing. Shout out, Sonia. Shout out, Sonia. Uh, but like personal inspirations, like I said early on, Ben Crow, who does this work with a lot of vulnerability, but beyond that, this lady named Brené Brown, who's based in the States. I've read so many of her books and her podcasts and listened to her TED Talks. Without her and kind of Ben Crow's life lessons that I've learned from them, 
the Changing Lanes program wouldn't exist. Mm. The relationships that I have with my friends and family wouldn't exist as strong as they are. Mm. It, they've just been so, so pivotal in reinforcing those connections that I've got with them, but also making them even stronger than what they were mm. before I moved into this vulnerability space. Mm. And I think in addition to that, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today with this program without um, Shelly Haynes, mm -hmm. head of year nine and 10 rotation, because I just happened to go to this conference because she couldn't go to it. Mm -hmm. So without her not going to that conference, this wouldn't exist. Okay. So it's she kind of paved the way for this to happen. Mm -hmm. So with your biology teacher, Mitch, it sounds like you really obviously enjoyed that rapport that you shared with her and how she perhaps used, you know, comedy and humor to make herself more personable and, you know, deliver that content. I feel like you would have drawn a lot of inspiration from her because I see that in your teaching style and, you know, the way you deal with the students and stuff. Is, is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely mm. true. I learned, I had some amazing teachers at, at school. Sonia definitely being one of them taught me the importance of developing that rapport and relationships mm. with students because I've always drawn upon this quote that uh, students don't care what you know until they know you care. Ooh, I like it's that. so, so important. Mm. And um, I'll put that, at the start of, or before anything, mm -hmm. before any lesson, I'll check in to make sure they're okay. If I notice there's something a bit off, like they're a little bit down, I'll want to check in to make sure everything's fine because they're not, they're not going to want to know anything that we're teaching that lesson mm -hmm. if they're not in that right headspace. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that someone's there for them can change a really terrible lesson for them into one where they feel really supported. So if there was one thing that you could tell the college community um, about changing the Changing Lanes program or perhaps the importance of, of well-being in education, what would it be if you could summarize it? I think it would be to view yourself as you are being com as you are completely worthy and that you've got high self-worth and that you are enough because I think these conversations prior to Changing Lanes that these kids are having come from a feeling of I am not enough. So I... I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not athletic enough, whereas we are completely in control of how we react to certain situations. And if we come from the point of view of I am enough, suddenly we start to believe it. And it comes through repetition, that's through like positive affirmations every morning. So getting up every morning and repeating five statements about yourself that are completely true and positive, the more you do it, you start to rewire your brain to start thinking that. So I think in terms of advice I could give the college community about changing lanes and the wellbeing program is really start to believe that you truly are enough to do what you want to do in all aspects of life. And I think you'll prosper from there. Mr. Mitchell Mills is an educator at St. Stephen's College. He's been named as a rising star of 2022 and one of Australia's most influential educators. And he is a vulnerable man. Thanks for being on the podcast, Mr. Mitchell Mills. We look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the College. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, feel free to reach out through our social media channels. And we look forward to you tuning in to our next conversation.